Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's Time Again Podcast number three, if you're counting at home. It is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Battles. Of course, it's sponsored by BetUS. Support Boston Sports Journal by calling 1-800-79-BETUS and get set up today. Be sure to tell them Boston Sports Journal sent you. And Greg, I, I want to start off with Cam Newton. Of course, the next podcast we do this week is going to be all about Dolphins, Patriots, what to expect offensively. But you wrote something at BSJ over the weekend about Cam and how he better bring more than just energy because we, we've been hearing this stuff for a while now. Everybody, oh, energy. He's got great energy. He's got excellent energy. Cam, energy. So you wrote uh, something about how he should bring more than just energy to the table. And I guess a little, as our guy Gary Tangle would say, controversy was started when uh, Nesson.com pulled out the following passage. <clears throat> Let me read this for everybody. And I will admit to you that from what I've heard since Tom Brady departed, the Patriots that need a vibe change in the locker room because a dour Brady, which started to crop up at the end of 2018, took its toll on the Patriots last season. It was so bad that some of his teammates have admittedly privately that it was better for all involved that Brady moved on if he was going to have the same attitude this season. So, Greg. What is the deal with your story and these Patriots talking to you privately that, hey, man, if Brady was going to be that pain in the tuchus and have that kind of an attitude, it's just better that he moved on? Yeah, Nick, it's, um, it's interesting. This is, this is not the first time this has happened. I got to give a shout out to Dakota Randall over at Nesson because he has a unique talent uh, with this to pull out <laughs> the most controversial part of my column. And I appreciate, you know, the pub. Um, you know, and along those lines, it's funny because they'll do this. Um, something will rise. It's very, it's very much pro football talk style where they use other people's work to get clicks and right and things yep. like that. And um, you know, it, it's what's funny is, and I got somebody who a couple of people, you know, t uh, t on Twitter were like, "Oh, well, you're just doing this for clicks," and I'm like, "Well, first of all, Tom Brady's not in the headline." I haven't said anything about this. Like, it's just really the only people who knew it were my members and people who read my stuff. So right. I'm not, this was not a sensationalized thing. And, and, yep. and I've sort of hinted at this uh, off and on again during the course of the off season. Okay. So, so about Brady, this is where I am on that, Nick. Okay. So I'm actually one of these people who last year, you know, Felger, when I was on Felger and Mass, Fel, Felger was all, they were all about Tom Brady's mad. He's an attitude problem all this stuff. And I was actually, I pushed against all that stuff. 
I said, no, he's just, he's just unhappy where the offense is, you know, right. because he's such a perfectionist. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I, and I thought that they would, you know, get going in the right direction. And it would be fine. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of us felt that way because yeah. of the history and it was Brady and Hey, let's right. give him the benefit of the doubt. Right. And so I definitely gave him a benefit of the doubt. I pushed back on all that after from after the season through when he went to Tampa and I was hearing some of this stuff even before uh, he went to Tampa. Um, I was told by a couple of players, plus some people around the team that they were just like, you know what, if what went down last year and really this started towards the tail end of 2018, yes, they went on to win the Super Bowl, but Brady was ticked off about the direction of the offense. Also his lack of weapons. Then they just, you know, they just happened to play well. Yeah. Um, the same sort of thing happened this year it was worse from the get go. Um, and you know, because of the lack of weapons and he, we've talked about this before that he didn't have anybody to throw to and you know, there were going to be a run first team. He was just, he was just not happy. And Bill and him were grinding on each other. Um, you know, you could see the, 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 the on-ramp to his departure starting last year. And so really behind the scenes, the players felt this. Like we saw it on the sidelines in a couple games, namely the Texans game. Yeah. But the players saw a lot of this the whole time. And really, I'm surprised. It was, you know, some players who, who have a lot of cachet – they were just like, look, if it was going to be the same way again, because they had seen it in 2018, they went through it all year in 2019. If Brady was going to come back and just have the same attitude, and look, I'm not, I'm not saying he shouldn't have had that attitude. I'd be pissed off if I was in my 20th year, won six Super Bowls, and I can't get anybody to throw to at tight end, um, you know, when they should be surrounding me and helping me out with more talent around me. And they were just like, look, if, if Tom was just going to come back and, and it was going to be the same thing again, we don't want to go through that. It's better right. off that he leaves and we can start fresh because not all of us are done yet in our careers or getting to the end. So let's just everybody move on. Everybody will be better off. I don't think it's that sensational of a story no. if you know the particulars involved in what went on last year. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, you listen to things that happened last year. They start off 8-0, and zero, and Brady is talking to the TV you know, broadcast yep. crew saying that he's like the most miserable 8-0 quarterback in the league. And I think there is a part of this where, you know, Brady had so much success, and, you know, you get to a level, Greg, where anything short of that level, anything short of what your expectations are for not only yourself but the team, and you look around and you say – well, I don't know. I don't know if we have the kind of weapons that I need to make this run this season. And he has those kinds of through-the-roof expectations, which is understandable. But, you know, from the Patriots' point of view, you're also trying to integrate some young guys. And I, I don't know how you feel about this. Uh, you and I had some conversations before, you know, last year and all of that stuff. But looking at a guy like Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry and these younger guys, you know, a peeved Brady with a hair across his butt and just miserable almost every single day, that's not helping anybody in that no. locker room. And, you know, the, the question is whether or not he trusted those guys and if he gave it enough time to, to build that trust so they could have actually done something. I, I've said this, you know, and, and I get it too from Twitter. I think that that's a lot of people get stuff from Twitter. That's how the world works, right? And I've had <laughs> people tweet at me and say, oh, well, Nick, come on, you know, because he didn't go to OTAs, didn't change right. anything. and Listen, 
you go back a couple of years ago when they had some more veteran presence on this offense with Gronk, et cetera, you know, the OTAs, they're not as big of a deal. But when right. you spend a first-round pick on a wide receiver mm-hmm. and you're skipping those OTAs, and when you've got a guy like Jacoby Myers and you're skipping those OTAs and you've got some young tight ends to go along with old man Benjamin Watson, those OTAs mean more. And so, yeah, maybe if Brady wasn't such a curmudgeon last year, it, maybe if he actually went back old-school style and showed up and worked with the guys and tried to really build that trust from as early as possible, who knows what would have happened. Now, maybe nothing would have changed. But I don't know that, and you don't know that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and I think, it's, I think it's a totally valid point. I also think it goes, you know, you could sort of draw a line to this year and the roster and some of the roster decisions that they made where, you know, look, they're uh, outside of Edelman, you know, they got rid of Sanu. Um, outside of Edelman, they don't have any veterans at yeah. really at wide receiver. And, you know, a guy like Devin Ross didn't make the initial 53, but he's banging on the door. And it's like, you know, why if, if you're not going to make a youth movement and see what these young kids with legs that can run can do, and they don't have to worry about Tom Brady being, you know, writing them off when they, you know, go six steps instead of five steps, you know, on a route in, in one of the games and, and let's see what those kids can do. And maybe that makes us better overall as a team. Now, look, I'm not saying that, you know, Tom Brady shouldn't have been back here. I still believe that. I still believe that the Patriots wanted him back here, that he was plan A, but I th- I think it's wise in hindsight because I think Tom, Tom saw the writing on the wall. I mean, they didn't do anything in free agency. They didn't really do anything in the draft. Can you imagine him back here oh, God. with this receivers and these tight brutal. ends and, and no Sanu? I mean, he would be completely checked out. So I think for everybody involved, yes, it's better that Tom's gone. Yeah, I think it would be very tough to get through another season. And this was going to inevitably become this battle. And I, I want to move on here in a minute. But just one last thought about the whole Tom Brady quarterback situation. This was going to inevitably happen because you have Belichick, who was looking out for the future of the team. He's trying to build a young nucleus while holding on to a 42-year-old turning 43-year-old quarterback. You've got the 42 turning 43-year-old quarterback who is focused on what he should be focused on, which is, hey, man, this last bite of the apple or two, I need people that I can trust, that have a resume, that have produced in big game. I need those kinds of guys, and you're sticking me with the Nikhil Harrys of the world. And Belichick's saying, well, you know, listen, I get it, but I'm trying to look at what this roster is going to be five years down the road, and I'm going to try to handle both things. I've got to make you happy, Tom, to a point, but I have – the toughest job in the world here to try to make sure that you're happy and I'm balancing the future with it all. And I think it was the inevitable end, you know, and, and I thought that Brady would be back for one more year. I thought they would find a way like they had in the past. But when you look at all of this and you look at Cam's quote unquote energy and him coming back, I mean, <laughs> it, it certainly does seem like they needed a little bit different of a viewpoint at that position. And, and yeah, maybe and- the other guys will feel better about it. And Nick, uh, you know, I, I had this thought the other day, you know, we, and my column was mostly about all the talk about Cam Newton's energy. Like who really yeah. gives a crap what his energy is? Nobody, this is Boston. You know, nobody cares what your energy is no, produce. Uh, uh, unless you win on the field. Nobody yep. cares. But the thing is, is what I was thinking about is like some of the people who, who have talked a lot about Cam's um, energy, these people are, these people are pretty plugged into the team and, and people have noticed the difference and they hear from people. And I've heard from people 
it's a different atmosphere now. Everybody's more relaxed, this and that. You know, what if, you know, what if they're hearing that it, it's almost like that's, that's code for me that yeah. Tom was an issue, you yeah. know, at, at the end of the that there's, they're talking about Cam's, Cam's energy as a positive is covering up the fact that Tom's energy was a negative last year. Let me ask you this because I, I've seen this bounced around a lot. You know, Belichick has talked about Cam the last week or so. A couple of occasions, he's seemingly gone a little bit out of his way to really kind of wax poetic about Cam. Do you yep. think that's just an individual thing? He's looking at Cam and he's saying, all right, this is going to be our guy. We got to build him up here. We, I got to get behind him and this is what we're doing. Or do you actually look at it? Because I don't, but do you look at it as a subtle shot to Brady about the work ethic and how much work Cam has put in? Do you think it's a subtle shot at Brady or do you think I it's th just more focused on Cam? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I, I think it's mostly focused on Cam. Like, look, anytime he's had these, you know, sort of, uh, high profile athletes that maybe, you know, their desire or buy-in sometimes has been questioned. And Cam really, Cam it hasn't really been about that. It's been mostly, you know, he can sulk on the sidelines and things right. like that. And, yeah. and they do need him to buy into the entire program that it's not the Cam show, it's the Patriots show. And so I think a lot of that is just trying to get, you know, just, patting cam on the butt and keeping them going in the right direction like we're you know we're all swimming together but i do think there's a little there's a little twinge a little shot there you know at brady that um you know maybe he got a little bit difficult to deal with at the end and that is not unusual and i've written this before i'm a guy who you know saw the end of marino i'm a guy who covered the end of Favre in green bay uh they all do it they all become an issue to some point uh, yeah. at the end if things aren't exactly the way they want them all right so there you have it you can read uh, the story in its entirety at bostonsportsjournal.com uh, not sensationalist as as greg would say it's it's not being sensationalized uh, it is what it is and i i do think it's a great nugget from greg and that you get here on the podcast that people you know this isn't a media driven thing this isn't a talking head bringing it up these are guys in the room and the, and the guys in the room are privately saying yeah you know, the mojo, the energy, whatever you want to call it, that Brady brought to the table late 2018 into 2019, it wasn't great. And it's, you know, if he was going to do that again, it's best that we just move on. Speaking of moving on, before we move on to the 53-man roster and talk about some cuts, some things that might have surprised you, Greg, tell us about BetUS. Yeah. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back, and that means it's time to get down your bets. Of course, we can't bet on the Bruins anymore because they kind of yeah. crack our pants. But We better be able to bet on the Celtics uh, in the next week or two because I'll tell you what. Uh, the I Saturday feel the stress, Nick. I feel the stress with you oh, and the Celtics. Saturday night's game four was wretched. You know what? The, I, I checked the BetUS line earlier. Uh, because we're doing a, a post on BSJ every day with the Celtics line. Celtics yeah. are favored by, I think, two in game five. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say this, and people probably listening to this after game five has been played already, right. but I will say I'm kind of a simplest, you know, a simpleton when it comes to this kind of stuff, honestly. If the Celtics in game five, if they can't show up and play with the effort and play well, and guys like Jalen Brown, who was atrocious in game four, 
if they don't play well enough to win this game when it's the biggest game of their season, then they don't deserve to move on. So I would expect them to play great, but uh, I expect them to play much better on Saturday than they did. So who knows? I totally agree. You can't get your bet in for game five, but you can get your bet in at BetUS uh, for game six with the Celtics because obviously it's a best of three now and also game seven. Uh, BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the biz. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, the, the major championships are coming up. I might have to wager a little bit on those. I'm Horses, telling you, I got to get you going on the UFC, too. I got to get yeah. you going on the UFC, my man. A little violent for me with young, younger <laughs> kids, but that's okay. Call one eight, Call today at 1-800-79-BET-US. That's 1-800-79-BET-US, and they will walk you through getting started. Mention my name, Bedard, Boston Sports Journal. Some of you guys say, but add, do that. They probably Bedad. recognize it when they call up. Um, join now, mention my name, but add, and you get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. So that's 1-800-79-BETUS. Go, also go to betus.com and tell them we sent you. Yeah, I got a little bit of a complex today uh, doing this podcast because the people that are watching the video version, the backdrop for Greg is just like picturesque and – and I'm just sitting here with my UFC posters, Ronda Rousey. She lost two of the three fights, by the way, I do believe. Undisclosed location this week. Yeah, this is <laughs> a, th- an undisclosed location, but it's looking good. It's looking really good. All right, so as we get ready again, the next podcast, podcast number four of this adventure between you and I are going to be about the uh, Dolphins and the Patriots coming up on Sunday, first game of the season. But before we get there, let's talk about the 53-man roster. The first name that I think a lot of people bring up is Lamar Miller. Your thoughts, Greg, why Miller's gone and, and what's that mean for the rest of this backfield? Yeah, it just didn't, uh, didn't have enough time to really show. Uh, and plus, they're really deep there, and, and they're, you know, they are dealing with an injury with Damian Harris. It's at least, he's at least going to we- probably, I would say 90%, he's going to miss week one. Uh, could lin- linger into week two. So do you move him to the short-term IR? Uh, for three weeks, he can come back in week four. I think the Patriots might do that. Um, but, you know, I, I'm fine with their backfield the way that it is. Even if they have to, you know, put Harris on IR and not pick up a running back, at least for the first week, I'm fine with that. With, you know, Sony Michelle, James White, and Rex Burkhead, they have plenty. And plus, you know, I even saw the, the rookies came out with their, their rookie numbers this week, uh, the real numbers, and Dalton Keene's number 44. So that tells you that. He's going to be in the backfield a lot, yeah. and he was a high school running back. So, you know, they have some options. I'm not really too worried about that. You know, let me ask you about Sony Michelle because I was big on Sony coming out of Georgia. I saw him play a good amount in college, and I thought he was going to be an explosive kind of back, a guy that will get you 100 almost every single week, catch the football a little bit out of the backfield. I feel like this is put up or shut up time for him. Like, this is it. If he doesn't – if he doesn't come back here in 2020 after the 2019 that he had, and he doesn't show that first round capability, I'm not sold on him being on this team much longer. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I would tend to uh, tend to agree with that. I would be shocked if the Patriots pick up his, you know, fifth year option whenever that comes due. Um, yeah. You look and, and I don't, the player is the player. Um, I do. I, I will say this about Sony. Um, there are some players who come into the system and they, they, they try so hard to do 
exactly what the Patriots want, that they yeah. kind of lose themselves as a player. They don't cut loose. They kind of play very tight. I see Sony as one of those guys. We, we see it every now and then. Whereas, you know, you can, if you were at practice in training camp and you saw Damian Harris run, you could see a kid who was very confident in his abilities and just played. And he played loose and he played faster. Yeah, and, he's not thinking and, about it. He's not right. thinking and about it so all the time. I don't think you'd like to see Sony uh, cut, cut loose at some point, but that just might not be in him. I don't know. All right, let's jump to wide receiver. Uh, you know, Ross, Devin Ross, not on the team as of right now. He might have an outside shot, but looking in totality at this position, Greg, your thoughts, how, how good could it be? And maybe on the other end of the spectrum, how bad could it be? Well, I mean, when you talk about how good they can be, you got to look at, you know, basically the pecking order. So, you know, in two wide receiver sets, it's going to be Harry and it's going to be Edelman. And so, yeah. you know, those guys have to produce three wide receivers. It'll be Damian Bird uh, moving in. And they really like him. I know, you know, some other reporters were impressed with him in camp. I wasn't overly enthused. I did not think that he played to his time speed. But I will tell you, he can run a hitch and some out patterns really well where he's speeding down the field and, and cuts and, and loses the cornerback. The and they need a guy like that. So maybe yeah, he does that. Yeah, you said in prior episodes that you do think Demir Bird is an upgrade over Philip Dorsett, correct? Yes. No, that's no question. No okay. question. It's, it's, it's how much of an up, upgrade. But we did right. talk about the whole, is he more Brandon Cooks or is he more Philip Dorsett? I wish he was Brandon Cooks. They want him to be Brandon Cooks, but with, you know, a little bit more playing ability. Um, but right now I'd say he's more Philip Dorsett, but he's certainly an upgrade on him. And then four wide receiver, it's got to be Gunner. Um, and he had a great camp. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, and then Jacoby, um, he's sort of where he was last year, um, which is, you know, I like him. And I think he needs more development. But um, certainly a guy I don't mind putting on the field. I'm fine with those guys. I really am. I would like to see Devin Ross get promoted because I, I do think the kid uh, has a chance to be a little bit of a playmaker. Yeah, I mean – you know, I was expecting a little bit more from Jacoby Myers from what I've heard people tell me what he looked like in camp. I just thought, you know, watching him last year, there were some opportunities. And going back to the Brady conversation where we started, I, I thought Brady just lost trust in the guy and had no interest throwing in the football yes, for know, the most he def- part. I could tell you 100% that he started the ice out Jacoby last year. That yeah, did which happen. sucks, which just sucks. Yep. But mm-hmm. – you know, because I, I thought, you know, you would see you would see a, a few plays. I'm not saying that he was open all the time. It's, but, you know, there were plays where you'd see Myers open and Brady wouldn't even look his way. And that's got to be excruciating for a guy like Josh McDaniels. All right, how about uh, Cash Malua? We just got the news before starting to record this podcast today, Greg, that uh, he is actually going to make the 53-man roster. They had to finagle some things going on. And it yep. uh, looks like Cash is going to be ready to play week one against the Dolphins. So that gives me another one in the win column. So on the initial one, nice. I missed on. Chalk it up, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I missed on Devin Ross getting cut, Cash Malua, and Nick Falk. But, of course, Falk's going to be back. Malua's back on. So that's 52 of 53. Now I just need um, Yadni Kajus to get the Foxborough flu, which he really <laughs> needs. Because he really needs, because you don't want to see him on a football field this year, maybe next year. Um, and swap him for Devin Ross, and I'll be 53 for 53. Um, look, he – I liked what I saw from him. He's a Bill favorite. Uh, Bill drafting him went against some of the advice uh, some other people had inside the room. So Bill obviously saw something in him. Huh. They need 
They need a ton of help at linebacker. I mean, good Lord. If And, and Cash Malou is not going to help um, in this regard, but I just, I just want to stay for the record, and maybe we talk about this more later in the week. But holy cow, if Juwan Bentley gets hurt, like I'm running for the hills again, and I'm like camping out for the rest of the season because it is going to be – they are so thin at linebacker. It's, it's, it's Juwan Bentley, Josh Uche, and Anthony Jennings, and now Cash Malua. Uh, Juwan Bentley and three rookies. I mean, yeah, wow. So you're not you're not feeling Uche. You're not feeling Jennings. No, I think they're fine, and I actually think that Jennings is going to be more of an every down player than Uche, from what I what I hear. Um, and I think Bentley's fine. You know, when he's when he's all good, like he was as a rookie year before he got hurt. But since then, he hasn't been a player. Yes, he's a captain now. You know, I'm sure bill finagled that some sort of way but um (laughs) but he is uh you know they hopefully he hits hopefully this is the guy who sort of takes the humongous leap because they need him to be because if not it's going to be a scary time in the front seven all right before we move on to our uh, bsj member question of the day just one little football thing that i found interesting greg and you saw this across the league and i think it's absolutely due to the COVID-19 circumstances. But there weren't a lot of guys claimed. There are a lot of guys that passed through waivers that you didn't think was going to get through. And Belichick, you know, it it certainly seemed like he was a little ahead of the curve on this one with how he handled the kicker situation. Yeah. um, (laughs) Bill's so much smarter than me that I get a a popsicle headache trying to figure out some of his roster moves and, like, you know, BSJ members are asking me, like, so why don't they just do this with Folk? And I'm just like, look, it's just be, be, Bill being Bill. Like, at fr- on Friday or Saturday, he's going to move up Folk, and he's going to do this and has probably something about, like, he doesn't want somebody to get, get claimed or who knows. But um, it, it's it's given me, you know, a popsicle headache. And, and uh, what, was the, what was the other thing? Not about Folk. Well, there was something first. Um, no, just with had. COVID and, and, and oh, passing yeah, yeah. guys through waivers oh, and making sure yeah, the that no you know, claims. They're, they're able to, yeah. Yeah, it, that was not a surprise. I, I told BSJ members that coming in. I said, actually, I put it on Twitter too, that um, the NFL people that I talked to said they didn't think that there would be that, that many claims. I think there were 17. Normally, there are like 50. And it's just yeah. because there's no, there's no film. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. You know, there's a famous story about uh, I forget who it was, but they in their draft room they would say, "Make sure you call up that guy before we pick him." And he's like, "Why?" To make sure he's not dead. And like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like these guys aren't going to be dead, but you don't know if some guys limping or some guys gain 50 pounds in the off season without yeah. seeing any film. So it's impossible to tell. We'll see. Like once special team guys get out there week one, week two, all of a sudden there's a little bit more film on some fringe people. And you could see some things. All right, let's get to the uh, BSJ member question of the day. This one's from Laura. Uh, Given the terrible drafting of recent years, can anyone tell me why Nick Casario is still employed by the Patriots? Isn't it time to try someone else, Greg? Okay. This is a great question from Laura, who's a great and longtime member. She's always in our daily Q&As asking questions. And I always appreciate her questions. And you know, this is a good one, and probably this could be a whole separate podcast in the offseason. But I'll just say this. What people don't understand is Nick Casario may be the director of player personnel or, or what his official title is right now. But every Bill makes all the decisions. Yep. Every single decision. Nick could bring 
bill, the greatest trade in the world. He could have so-and-so, a better player rated ahead of this player. And all that matters is what Bill thinks at the end of the day. And he's going to do what he's going to do. I mean, I could tell you there have been times where Bill has drafted a player that has been way down the draft board at a certain position when the scouts and, and Casario and all his guys did their evaluations. Bill took some guy way down and like ticked <laughs> off people in the draft room, um, you know, in the process. Um, the other thing, I do think there's another part of this equation now, and which you know, could use a further deep dive is, you know, and we look at some of these personnel issues um, that they've had in the last four or five years um, is, is Nick Casario, does he have the cachet? Does he have the voice to stick, you know, to basically um, get in front of Belichick and say, no, 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 you're not doing that. Don't, yeah, don't challenge do that. him and say, challenge right. him and say, I'm the guy that, you know, I think, Bill, this is the way to go. Right. And if we go this way, it's going to end up bad because of blah, 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 blah. Yeah. There are people, there are influential people in that organization who think that Nick does not do that enough. He does not do what Scott Pioli does, uh, did back in the day that helped, you know, form dynasty number one. And they just think that Casario does not have a strong enough voice um, to override Bill, or he just sort of goes along for the, I, I don't know. I can't tell you for a fact. I'm just telling you what people have told me um, who, who would know. They think that sometimes Nick does not push back hard enough and that Bill really needs the type of person in that room that'll be like, no, wait, what are we doing here? Like, what? Yeah. Like, why are you drafting that guy? Why him? We just, we just spent six months evaluating all these guys. Why are you picking him? Like, just somebody to push back against Belichick. They, they think that voice has been lacking, and that could be part to blame for some of their personnel issues. And it's going to be interesting, and we'll talk about this all year long. You know, the, this rookie class, a lot of pressure on them because of yep. when they're coming in and the positions that they're, you know, slotted in. You look at linebacker with Uche and Jennings, they can't really have a year off because of the opt-outs and all that. You look at Duggar and at safety. You know, he, his role is that much more crucial now because Chung is, is not going to play this year. So you look at some of these guys, and, and from what I've read, I mean, Asi Asi is another guy to bring up. And, and yep. you know, actually both, you know, both tight ends. I, I've read some good stuff, Greg. Uh, you know, I don't know if mm -hmm. it means anything. We'll yep. see when the bullets start to fly this week. But from what I've read, there have been a number of people at these practices saying this draft, at least early, looks – like Belichick and Casario and company did a, a pretty good job of, of evaluating guys. I think so. I think that's, I mean, that's my initial impression. I mean, I like Duggar down the road. My only issue with the Duggar selection was where's he going to play if Patrick Chung was here? If Patrick Chung didn't opt out, what would Duggar be doing right now? Probably not much of anything. And they needed to double dip a tight end because it had gotten that bad. Um, you know, they reached for Dalton Keene. Uh, he was not the guy that they were eyeing at that sort of H-back position. There was another player that they wanted a little bit more. Oh, and, interesting. Um, interesting. Can you give us a hint? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, like, maybe for another time. But, I, okay. I mean, it wasn't a, big, it wasn't a huge deal. I mean, you know, there are only – it doesn't take too much to, to look into it that it, there are only so many players in the draft that do what Dalton Keene and some of the other guys do in right. terms of being a fullback tight end can do that kind of stuff. There aren't that many of them. And, gotcha. um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I like Uche. 
I think he's just small. I think he's a year away from being a real player. Uh, Jennings is, looks more like an NFL player, um, and he, I'm sure he got that out of the Alabama system where these guys, the Alabama guys traditionally enter the NFL at a, a, at a higher uh, proficiency rate just because of the way Saban coaches them. But they're also known to not have that big of a ceiling, that they're pretty much what they're going to be right. when they enter yeah. the league. So hopefully for the Patriots, that's true because they need – and every down starting strong side linebacker, and they need Jennings to be that because they don't have anybody else. It's a lot to get to, and I can't <laughs> wait. Week one is finally upon us. Yes. Kind of snuck up on us because everything else that's going yes. on. Yes. I, I can't wait. Yeah, week <laughs> one. Uh, so, uh, of course, our next podcast this week is going to be all about the Patriots and Dolphins. We'll actually talk about football. And the NFL talking- season and, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're beyond the, we're beyond the offseason. Now we're Thank talking God. about legitimate football and what to expect from this team. The Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, sponsored by BetUS. Support Boston Sports Journal by calling 1-800-79-BETUS and get set up today. Be sure to tell them Boston Sports Journal sent you. Greg, great job. Enjoy the undisclosed location that you're at right now. It looks pretty picturesque. looks like a painting. And I'll just, you know, leave my man cave that's half put together stairs and get ready for this Celtics game. <laughs> uh, but, hey, next podcast, podcast number four, it will be officially looking at Patriots versus the Dolphins week one. Until then, for Greg Bedard, it's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattle.